You're listening to The Birdbath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome back to The Birdbath. Each week, we scrape the surface of the news you need to know, so let's get into it. Last week was a little bit of a short week for many people as they enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully you all had a great time celebrating with family and friends. Some people that probably weren't enjoying themselves though were the 64 million poultry that have been infected thus far with the H5N1 bird flu. We're definitely keeping our eye on it here at the bird bath as we should. And the Fountain Report is continuing to keep everyone up to date on what's going on with the spread of this variant and strain of the bird flu. It has spread pretty heavily across the globe, and there have been two human fatalities thus far um, in Cambodia, as well as some additional ones that have reported human cases in the U.S. this year. So stay tuned, keep up to date on what's going on there, but... What we wanted to cover this week were some more stories perhaps that you might have missed over the past couple weeks. Some things that you might want to tuck into, read about, and really keep up to date on what's happening in our industry. One of the reports that we found really interesting that I think people should dig into a little bit more, especially if you're on the retail side of the veterinary industry in the pet care space, is a new report from Synchrony. Now, people in the veterinary space may know Synchrony as the parent company for Care Credit and Pets Best Insurance, but each year they put out their major purchase study. In the study this year, they revealed that more shoppers value in-store retail experiences and financing options for large purchases. Now, large purchases are big ticket items over $500. Each year when Synchrony puts out this report, it's an interesting way to reflect back on not only the economic factors that are participating in what's going on, but what consumer behaviors are doing and trending towards as we react to them. Some of the big numbers that I thought were important when we look at this and how people can apply this into their veterinary clinic or into their retail businesses in the space are that 59% of consumers say they prefer to shop at and support brands that align with their values. What should you take from that? For me, I think that that means being transparent and upfront with your values. Uh, some, some businesses are more shy to represent what the ownership or what the parent company or what the teams believe within those practices. But I think especially in the veterinary industry that is so built on, on trust and understanding of who is taking care of your animals, seeing that 59% of people are doing that where they're worried about where to shop for a handbag could show a lot of trust and a lot of value building in how you're running your veterinary businesses. The other thing that definitely makes a lot of sense for Synchrony though, but they also found that 59% of consumers consider in-store financing to be part of the checkout process. In the veterinary space, many people are familiar with Care Credit and Scratch. My Balto also has come out with some additional financing options and the buy now pay later options are very prevalent and popular across the industry. You can look at what Care Credit provides and what many others provide, but seeing that 59% of consumers are doing that for big ticket items that they plan to buy, it would make a ton of sense to expect that an in-store financing option or an in-clinic financing option would be especially important for big ticket items such as surgeries, emergency medical bills, dentals, or things that those pet owners didn't expect. 
So we'll link that report in the show notes so that everyone can check out what Synchrony found in their major purchases study for this year. The next story that I think people should dig a little bit deeper into was republished by DVM360 from Cannabis Science and Technology. They discussed a very broad overarching idea of cannabis usage in the veterinary space. Now, some of you may have come across this just last week when your younger cousins decided to go for a walk right before Thanksgiving dinner. But what we're talking about here is cannabis usage within the veterinary landscape. So they hit on a few very interesting things here. They talked about cannabis and animals and how the European Union, Canada, and the United States all distinguish between two primary use cases for cannabis and animals, either as a source of nutritional benefits or as a source of therapeutic benefits. Each one of those has completely different regulatory guidelines and, and requirements, and all of those guidelines and requirements also shift and change depending on the country and in the United States here, the state and the regulatory bodies that overarch on whether it's a feed animal or a companion animal. So the report hit on a lot of the big loopholes surrounding the cannabis use for animals, as well as how feed animals do have a limitation on hemp products, and the companion animals also have a limitation on who can discuss it, who can prescribe things, and how it's being used. One of the most interesting notes that I saw in there came from a Forbes article that the, that the report cited, saying that most pet owners who use CBD for their pets also use CBD for themselves. They also found that the utilization of CBD for animals, primarily dogs, which makes a lot of sense, is not often discussed with the veterinarians. They said there's definitely ideas here around perhaps if the issue is a lack of transparency or a concern of education from the veterinary partners, or if they're looking for a more homeopathic or holistic treatment, which is where they're turning to CBD over traditional pharmaceuticals. So you can definitely check out this report. In conclusion, what they wrote was that the biggest threat cannabis poses for pets appears to be the same as that for children unwitting consumption of THC products, which may cause cannabis toxicosis. The good news, though, is that most accidental overdoses are temporary in nature with no long-lasting effects. Similarly, the biggest challenges cannabis poses for pet parents appear appears to be the same as that for human patients, having the laws and doctor education catch up to human and pet use. Again, great article, pretty insightful. It's something that I think people have seen on the horizon and it's already a multi-million dollar and perhaps multi-billion dollar business line for a lot of people, both on the human and pet side. So taking the time to be able to verse yourself on what's happening in the cannabis space for animals is, is definitely an important thing to check out. Finally, I'm going to plug something that I wrote, which is always a fun thing. This week's Today's Veterinary Business published an article that I put talking about what's going on with veterinary consolidation. We took a look at all of the things that are happening across the space from a 68% decrease of acquisitions from about 1,500 practices in 2021 down to about 500 only in 2023, and then all of the factors that are contributing to that. One of the parts that I was really happy that we were able to highlight here, though, was what a consolidator or a group may look like in the future. When I looked at the overall industry, I see a ton of these different players that are all bringing unique aspects to the market. I see pet folk bringing in 
multiple revenue streams through brick and mortar practices, telemedicine, other mobile services, and and really being able to broaden the access to care in that aspect. I, I found Pet Vet 365 to offer a unique ownership model by bringing in industry-leading DVMs to helm each region and have an ownership in that space. I thought Modern Animals' approach to membership and the ability to really increase the stickiness of the new consumer within a new practice prior to building that relationship with their veterinarian was very interesting. And I, and I also thought that even older groups like VCA that put together a clear understanding of a post-acquisition strategy and plan so that the practices that are being acquired really know what they're going into are, are doing unique things. So we'll make sure that we link it. I'd love to hear your thoughts, though. We we always try to balance out the conversation around these large vet groups that are taking on things versus what the independent practices are doing on day in and day out within their clinics. So I'd love to see if you're seeing things that are happening within your independent practices or within larger groups that we're missing. Um, Reach out to us, whether it's on our LinkedIn or through our email or comment on the show, and we'd love to hear from you. For more on these and other stories though, join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. There's a link in the bio and don't miss out on any episodes of The Bird Bath by subscribing and rating the show. For The Birdbath, I'm Ryan Leach. See you next week.